You know what you got to do tonight, don't you, kiddos? You got to leave a uh, plate of uh, milk and cookies and maybe something else, something else out for uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, you know. I thought you were about Here to say some nose candy. Uh, no, no, no. I didn't like where that was Pump going. it up, Ben. You spoiled a very good moment. Pump it up. <laughs> This is Mike Houston, one of his favorite songs. Though. Yeah, it's that, Living on a Prayer, and then what's that You're journey besmirching song? the good name. You're besmirching, besmirching the good name of it. I'm sure they had their fun back fun. in the day. That's all I'm saying. All right, pump this up. I'd rather listen to them. Nose candy. What do you know about You amaze me sometimes, Ben. I was thinking you said Plato, of and then I was like, all right, 70s, 80s, that's kind of their time. And then, you know, what was going on around that time? A lot of the artists, musicians. Is this what you've seen on uh, the televisions or read in the magazines? Is that what I'm understand? Yeah, I mean, everything on TV and in the magazines and what you read on the Internet is true. So, uh, Of course. So I was uh, talking to Mississippi, and he was bugging me about what we're going to do on the show today. And I mean, you know, just listen, Mississippi, if you want to know. But um, about the time he was asking me this, we had uh, a little little bit of uh, breaking news that uh, came out. Uh, not we like earth shattering. Oh, yes, let's hit. Go ahead. We have some breaking news. <laughs> breaking. This just in. Breaking news. This is a special report on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Here's well, this Andrew just came, Oh, thank you, Mr. Announcer. This just uh, came out in the last few minutes. Uh, the White Helmets this weekend for the Pirates, Ben. There's some breaking news for you. I, I like the White front. Helmets. I don't believe in no helmet curse. That's silly, but I, I like the White Helmets with the... Uh, hopefully, they do the American flag logo deal with a military appreciation yeah, yeah. I, I always love those helmets. One of my favorites. We're not disagree. going to we're not going to see them this weekend. But um like the all white unis I think are, are nice. They're nice and clean. I like those. Yeah, now I'm we've a fan. the pirates pirates have not had a great deal of success in the all white uni. No, the uh the breaking news uh is um Pirates released the basketball schedule today. Well, the American put out the conference game slate and that allowed the Pirates to release the full schedule today. So, uh, I'm sure you know by now we've talked about the non-con portion of it, which uh, begins Tuesday the 8th at home against Mercer. Have Mercer. And then on the uh, 28th, uh, they'll wrap up, excuse me, 21st before Christmas, they will uh, wrap up the uh, uh, conference slate, um, or the non-conference slate against High Point, Tubby's kid coming to Greenwood. Uh, But then on the 28th of December, Temple is the opener this year, Ben, in the uh, American. Ooh, and it'll be at home Wednesday the 28th, Williams Arena Minji's Coliseum. Pirates will, we've seen this movie before, Ben, New Year's Eve, Wichita, Kansas. Yeah, let's they're see going. What happens this time. 
Well, they're going to Wichita. Remember a couple of years ago they went to Wichita State for New Year's Eve? and That was New Year's Day they played. They played on New Year's Day in Wichita. Was, was that the one where we sent D or D-Rock happened to be in Wichita and went to the game for it? Well, he's from there, yeah. so that helped. He went to the Coke Arena and, uh, and got us a, a picture. He's now working for Mr. Beast. He's done come up. Yeah. I'm proud of him. Yeah. No, good for him. I, I've always been a big uh, Derek. Uh, uh, what it's it's Alcorn, but I would call it uh, what Alcorn is what Alcorn, I would call it. Yeah. It I'm a big him. Derek Alcorn fan. No, I, I love Derek. Good guy. Um, miss Derek too. He he was very Johnny on the spot about things. Um, so yeah, that's it. The Pirates opening uh, conference road play on the 31st, New Year's Eve at four o'clock. So don't make any big uh, New Year's Eve plans, Ben. Not until after uh, 6 o'clock that night. Yeah, well, you don't have to worry about me watching the national championship game with Bama in it, as we uh, found out. Yes, yeah. not going to be a no-go for me. Pump I'm watching breaks, my favorite, Sparky. ECU basketball. Yep. That is not sarcasm. I love ECU basketball. No, no, You, I will say this. Ben is a huge, uh, huge believer and fan of ECU basketball. So, yeah, we've got some uh, good games coming along there. Um, the TV designations are out, too, which I think is cool. Uh, a lot of games that are going to make uh, either the Deuce or the U uh, this year. For the Pirates in basketball, they have, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, six of the games. Now, you know, all the rest of them will be on plus. Uh, the TV designations aren't out yet for Old Dominion on the road or the event in uh, Florida, the Gulf Coast event. So Hopefully we'll see what flow sports or something like that. You know, it might. I don't. I don't. Old Dominion uses um, Old Dominion uses uh, plus because the the uh, Fun Belt uses plus. But with it being a football game, that might be where the conflict is. I don't know. I might be able to talk my friends up there for the news channel into doing the game, maybe. There you go. Paid, you know, they paid good, uh, good high. That, that, that broadcast TV money, Ben. Woo. Making connections. It was a good, uh, it was a good Christmas in the Johnson household and the Mull household because Mull got a nice little uh, windfall from that, too. I remember that. Yeah, you called the uh, Norfolk State game, and uh, who were they playing? Were they playing ODU? It was it was Nor Norfolk State and ODU. Yeah, yeah I sure remember was. that. I watched that game. Yeah. And uh, my guy, uh, Maul and I called the game. That uh, I think I, I think his kids got Christmas gifts as a result of that. So. Wasn't that like <laughs> the highest rating they had had for uh, for that basketball or a basketball game on that particular network? I believe it was it was something like that. The ratings were very good for that game. The always anonymous text line, broadcast TV pays good money, question mark. Yes, if you're on like a broadcast, like a in a in a kind of a reputable market, yeah. Or if you're on the actual networks, yeah. I mean good payday that day for me. I you know, I can't talk about everybody else's salaries, but for me it was a really nice payday. Anyway, uh, I think that's great. I'm excited about uh, the seasons, excited about Coach Swartz and uh this will be great. I'm looking forward to uh, uh, an exciting season of Pirate Basketball and Coach Swartz and uh, our involvement in the broadcast on the radio side and uh, television side. I'm really looking forward to Looking forward to uh, brushing up my French, you know, uh, breaking out <laughs> yes, the books, I, French for dummies. I don't know if, yeah. 
Uh, also, our great friend Kim McNeil, the women's team, they've got the, they released their whole schedule today. So that's out now and the, who they're playing in the conference. So uh, we've got it all on our social media, 943thegame.com. And uh, we've also got it on. Uh, did we get up the men's story yet, Ben? Can we get that on the website if we haven't already? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just get, give me some time. It would, it no, no, that's fine. Minutes, I just yeah. if we if we yeah if we haven't already, we'll get that on there. Uh, speaking of Maul, Maul will be on with us tomorrow. Is the President's Cup in Charlotte at Quell Hollow? It is the companion event or the opposite event uh, to the Ryder Cup. Now the Ryder Cup gets a lot more of the publicity because it's uh, been one that the Americans for until this most recent Ryder Cup had had been on the struggle bus on against the Europeans. This is the world versus the American. So there tends to be not the camaraderie on the opposition side, as I understand it, that you have on the American, you know, like you do on the Ryder Cup when it's the Euro team. Like the Euro team, really, there's a lot of camaraderie there among that, among them. And, you know, there's some years it's in Europe, some years it's in the U.S., you know, every kind of alternate that. So that also leads to a little more. You're not exactly going around the world to play the President's Cup. But it is a pretty fun event. The Americans have dominated. We'll see how it goes this time around. We'll get some insights on that from Brian Mull, talk some other stuff with him. HV3 to uh, live. I don't think we've talked to Mull on air since the announcement of Harold going to the live tour. Yeah, so. I, I think we y'all talked about it because it was pretty much like writing on, was on the wall that he was going to live. Y'all well, we didn't about talk about it move, until, but, yeah, yeah. We, yeah we, it was a potential move, yeah. So uh, that's that's kind of the rundown and the deal for today. Uh, everybody's sending me stuff at 5 o'clock. Why is this, Ben? Why are people sending me formats and everything else at 5 o'clock here? It's, uh, it's a crush of uh, text and email. Hey, um, don't know if you caught this today. Don't know if you saw this t- uh, yesterday. Well, I saw it on social. <laughs> you can do the Leno. I, I, did, I didn't catch this till on social media afterwards, right? And the NC State fans, look, I'm I'm no fan, I'm no woofy, but something's going on at UNC because it seems like all of a sudden the state fans are living rent free and NC State's living rent free. Not not necessarily in fans, but in the athletes and coaches of UNC in in their head. It's the craziest thing. So this was UNC quarterback Drake May yesterday during the press conference that they have, you know, each week talking about, uh, well, not really state fans, but I guess just anybody that's affiliated with NC State. Here we go. Yeah, whether, you know, you, you want to admit it or not, growing up in Carolina, you're going to be a Carolina fan. Um, and, you know, some people may say state, but really people go to state and just can't get into Carolina. So um, you even heard the media who is, who you know, are all excited to be there because they're in Chapel Hill. They're all gooey britches over that. You even heard them groan a little at the end of that. What's, what's so <laughs> bad about that? He apologized. Yeah. And I don't know what he apologized for. Yeah, what's, why is he apologizing for that? I mean, it's, it's a, a little smack talk. Well, yeah. the state fans are a little sensitive. Let's let's be honest. Oh, we know about that. We know all about state it. fans are. A little, so then uh, there's a story today. This is out of, of the Fayetteville Observer. State linebacker Peyton Wilson says. UNC QB Drake May shouldn't have apologized for his jab at the Wolfpack. I agree, and I'm I'm not I don't UNC think... or a state guy or Duke guy. I don't have a side here, but I I agree. Why would he apologize for that? I thought if anything, you could have took it as a joke. I don't think the kid should have to apologize for anything he said. Stuff like that is said all the time. 
So that's the NC State perspective on it, or at least from one player. Is it? Does it rise to the occasion of outrage of this? Here's remember, this is what the UNC uh, women's basketball coach said. What was it? Month before last? Here we go. Duke is is a, is a national and international rivalry that I love. NC uh-huh. State fans are so classless. I just don't even like going there. Duke is is a is a now she's a um. I was on a podcast, right? Like a fan podcast. Okay. So, you know, she's probably thinking I'm on this obscure, annoying guy from England's podcast. Nobody's ever going to see it. Nobody's ever going to hear it. I can make these comments because she's the one that went there. He didn't lead her there. He asked her, who do you get more satisfaction out of beating? Yeah. I don't know the question that led to this for Drake May. But Drake May, who's a heck of a player, went there. Yeah, whether you know you, you want to admit it or not, growing up in Carolina, you're going to be a Carolina fan. Um, and you know, some people may say state, but really, people go to state just can't get into Carolina. You know, it's like it's one thing to say it on a podcast, right? Which ended up going viral. Yeah, it's another thing to say it in front of the media with television cameras there. Yeah, press conference. And, and yes, and yes, even. You know, the middle-aged newspaper writers who all wear Hawaiian shirts and go to Springsteen concerts. Even that group, it's one thing to uh, say it in front of them. I mean, what did you expect? It was going to go viral. You know, the thing about the on the podcast had to be dug up a little. This, this is a little different story. Well, especially in the triangle, they're always trying to find something to be outraged about in the media when it comes to the sports media, and they already get are they already nah, get way too know, nerdy anyways? And then this is something right. I would normally brush off. Well, like, oh, that's neat. He's, you know, trash talking, but they got to take it to the 10th degree and act outrage or act like he's, he said something ridiculous or whatever the well, case may be. I, I, I don't, again, kind of like with the case with the, the women's coach. Now she did call the fans classless and that's. Yeah, that's, that's I think a, it's a little that, bit more to be outraged about, but even then, that's, that's a broad brush to to be painting someone with. But to make the little jab or the little joke, I mean, look, and and again, I always look at these things through the lens of you know, the ECU lens because that's the, you know, all the, the the big joke is well, you couldn't get into UNC or you couldn't get into state, you, know, you went to East Carolina and I mean, and that's, you're right. So what? <laughs> well, in my case, it was right with state. I, I didn't get in. Well, I got in, but I got, I, I was, they wait listed me or something. I was a terrible high school student. That's okay. I was too. And the best thing that happened to me was going to East Carolina and graduating and, and all of that. That was the best thing that happened to me from an acad, uh, from an educational standpoint. Well, that and my parents sent me to, to parrot. Those two things were the best thing that happened educationally. I didn't realize it at the time. So. I have no issue with any of that. I've heard it before. I just think a little crazy to be saying that if you're the, but you you are right. It does give a rivalry that everybody is just longing for to be legitimate in football, a little bit more fuel to the fire. So we'll we'll see how, but of course we won't know till the end of the year how, how that will play out, but already some early bulletin board material. Are we straight on the tickets, Ben? Are we straight on those? We are. We got two to give away today and then two for tomorrow. So Okay. So you'll handle it tomorrow, right? That is right. Okay. Well, let's do caller. You want to do five or seven? What do you want to do? Let's do lucky number seven. We'll do caller seven today at 252-561-GAME. 252-561-4263. It is a hot ticket. 
the Memphis, or excuse me, the uh, Navy ticket, hot ticket. Uh, you can be the winner of that. And a gift card to Chico's. We good on that, Ben? We are good on that. We have plenty of right. those. That's not an issue. All right. 252-561-GAME, 252-561-4263. And uh, we will uh, announce our winner of tickets to the game this Saturday night and uh, winner of a Chico's gift card, Mexican restaurant uptown Greenville. When we come back with a pirate report. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's pirate report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, pirate report for you today, and uh, good to uh, good to have Michael from Greenville, our big winner, on the uh, show today. So congratulations to uh, Michael. Uh, he is the uh, winner of our uh, tickets. Uh, ben will have an opportunity for you to win a pair of ducats to Navy and East Carolina tomorrow. He'll also have a chance uh, for you to win uh, in that prize pack a gift card to Chico's Mexican Restaurant in Uptown Greenville. Uh, let's uh, jump in, and uh, this is uh, some sound from yesterday. Coach Houston, uh, we will have uh, our staffers there in less than 40 minutes. Uh, check our social media for the uh, coordinator's comments and more comments from Coach Houston at 943 The Game on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagrams, it all. Uh, you can uh, check it out. All right, here is uh, Coach Houston uh, making a, a statement in the uh, midweek presser. Um, obviously, uh, good to get a uh, big home win Saturday night. Uh, you know, great crowd, great atmosphere in the stadium. Uh, very pleased with the way our team played. Um, so, uh, you know, good to get to 2-1 and one on the season and uh, good to win that one the way we did. Um, you know, it's uh, good to go into conference play uh, with those kind of wins back-to-back. Um, obviously, uh, you know, pretty challenging opponent coming in here this week. Uh, Navy coming off a bye. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're always a challenge and expecting nothing different, uh, you know, this week. Um, you know, just the, you know, that game up there in Annapolis last year, you know, could have really went either way. And, uh, you know, they got a lot of guys back off that squad. And, uh, and so it's, uh, you know, we've got, a lot, we've got a work cut out for us this week. But. Uh, more from Coach Houston talks about uh, the preparation that goes into prepa- uh, preparing for the United States Naval Academy. Uh, we literally practiced uh, against Navy's offense every, every practice during preseason camp, every day. Um, and then, you know, we've been working it on Sunday nights just trying to make sure our guys stayed, you know, dialed into the game plan. So it's not like we're starting cold, uh, which did help. Uh, you know, Sunday we were able to, you know, have a full kind of, you know, at least go through the game plan against their offense. Uh, I think their defense presents its own challenges. Uh, but, uh, you know, we had a pretty good practice Sunday night. Uh, a lot of guys around the facility on their own yesterday watching film. Uh, so, you know, we feel like we're at least prepared for practice today. Now, the challenge is just how do you replicate, you know, what they do. And it's, you know, we can have guys go out there and line up and, you know, run through their plays. But, you know, it's, you know, with them, it's, it's not as much what they do as how they do it. Uh, and then uh, Coach Houston with the uh, most important factors against the mids. Well, I, th- I think the most important thing is being able to try to, to, try to match their physicality. Uh, extremely physical offensive line. And then it comes back to, you know, just doing your job. And no matter what we have called, 
everybody has a responsibility, and it's, it's you know this that's that's probably the two most important things for that group up front this week is matching the physicality of the Navy offense and then doing their job, you know, play after play. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we also have uh, more comments, a couple more from Coach Houston here. He says, if you, oh, uh, this game will be one of a clash of what he says are two physical teams. Well, I think that's kind of what we hang our hat on is being a physical football team. and uh, But that's what Navy hangs their hat on too. And so, it's, you, you got you know two two good football teams that are facing off, and both of them are, you know, kind of you know, it's it's kind of a clash, you know, two two similar styles. And I know we're yes we're in the spread, and and we do things differently defensively and stuff. But I mean, you know, Ken very much believes in a lot of the same things I believe in as far as how you win consistently. And uh, we have uh, one couple more comments here from Coach. Uh, one is uh, says if you don't attack, uh, they'll get in the faces or get in your faces. No, I think they've got to pin their ears back and play silent football. I think we've got to attack. If we don't attack Saturday night, we're going to get our face kicked in. I mean, that's what's going to happen. So we better attack and we better pin our ears back and we better go at them with everything we got. So. Allow me to translate what I was trying to say there. Apparently, he, we, the question, questioner asked uh, the coach to play back or do you still have to be aggressive? Something to that effect, I would guess, wouldn't you, Ben? And, uh, and I don't know how this was written. It looks like it was kind of written in perhaps German, but that is not what uh, the answer didn't translate to that question as I see it here. But I, I get what he's saying. All right. Uh, for blocking, uh, we've talked so much about the receiver room, and uh, coaches uh, talked about uh, that group uh, doing more than just catching passes. Here we go. Well, I think that our blocking on the perimeter has been much improved this year. Uh, part of that is just you know, we have a couple of bigger guys uh, on the perimeter, but two, I think uh, you know, I think some of the new guys, I think some of the new staff, I think you know some of the the guys that are returning being a year older. Um, I think there's just been a higher standard of accountability as far as blocking on the perimeter, blocking for each other, um, and, and you've seen the benefits of that. You've seen you know, the screen game has been improved. We had one screen hit for a loss the other night, but really other than that one, we've been pretty effective in the screen game. Uh, anytime you see a running back have a long run, I promise you there's downfield blocking involved in that. And so uh, I think those guys take, take pride in being, uh, we talk about being a better player without the ball in your hands than you are with the ball in your hands. And I think, you know, when you get guys that are doing that, you know, that's when really they turn that next uh, turn that next corner into being a complete player. Congrats to uh, Connor Norby. You know, he got called up to the uh, AAA Norfolk Tides out of the Eastern League. And uh, the first pitch that he saw as a member of a uh, uh, the Tides and a member of the uh, AAA organization he uh, hit a home run in Durham. How about that? So nice job there by the uh, – I, I, I think he's maybe – we'll look up what prospect number he is. I don't think he's the top ten prospect, but he's pretty darn close in the Orioles organization. So uh, good for Connor Norby there. That's cool stuff. All right. Um, we have time for the Neo Montalolo cuts, Ben. Yeah, we got time. Let's go Let, for it. Let's just let's just play the one where he uh, talks about Holt Nailers because I think you're going to play the other one in the update or part of the other one in the update. So let's uh, let's go with uh, 
Navy coach Ken Niamatololo on Holt Nailers. He's a really good player, really, really good. I mean, he looks like an NFL quarterback. You watch him on tape, you don't realize how big he is until you see him on the field. I mean, he's bigger than our outside linebackers. You know, I mean, he's 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 a big dude, smart, composed. Obviously, he's been in the system now for a while, so you know he's playing really well. They're they're playing really well, but he he played well every year that we played him. You know, the one year he was out, uh, but really good football player, smart, headsy, accurate. They throw the football, can move, physical. Uh, I mean. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he got a shot on Sundays. I mean, he's just got all – he's got all the tools. I mean, he's big, like I said, smart, can throw, can run. Um, I, I wish he wasn't there still. <laughs> I look like, man, that guy's coming back. But, you know, he's a really, really good player. Uh, Kevin Niamatololo, the chuckle there. That's pretty good. All right, a break. We'll come back. Uh, Brian Moore will talk about uh, the President's Cup, get a preview of that taking place in Charlotte. A uh, little golf chat with Brian Mall after Ben updates you on this 94.3 The Game Sports Flat Update. Thanks, Patrick. East, you taking on Navy in the opener in the American Conference action on Saturday night. The midshipmen off to an 0-2 start. Their head coach, Ken Niamatalolo, says the Pirates make a, or don't make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, they don't seem to beat themselves. You know, when you got a veteran quarterback like that, I mean, even last year, they had a lot of close games, but there are some games that, like, I can't remember which game it was, but they, like, converted 21 of 25 third downs or something like that. I mean, some high number. And they did the same thing with us. They kept, you know, they played keep away against us last year. And we normally do that to other people. As for facing the triple option attack, East Carolina linebacker Miles Berry says you have to play assignment football and be disciplined. Really, it's, it's, it's so repetitive, you know, because they're, but even when it looks like they're running the same play, they're running different plays, you know. So my main thing is whatever the defense is called, I just have to trust my trust my assignments. All 11 of us have to trust our assignments and do our job. And we got to be gap sound because that's that's what they, they take advantage of, one guy being out of his gap and they can bust to a big play. So that's our main focus going into this week. Kickoff for that game is set for 6 o'clock Saturday in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. We'll begin pregame coverage right here on 94 through the game at 3 o'clock for our Bushlight Pirate Game Day countdown with our very own Patrick Johnson and ECU football legend Terrence Copper live outside of Town Bank Tower. Moving on, ECU men's basketball released their conference schedule for the upcoming season. Pirates will play 18 conference matchups, starting with Temple at home on the 28th of December, Wichita State on the road on New Year's Eve, UCF at home on January 4th, Memphis and Cincinnati on the road on the 7th and the 11th, South Florida on the 15th at home, Temple on the road on the 18th, Tulsa and Wichita State at home on the 24th and 29th, South Florida on the road on the February 1st, SMU at home on the 4th, Tulane on the road on the 11th, Cincinnati on the 15th, 19th and 21st, SMU and Tulsa on the road, and Houston and Tulane to cap off the season at home on the 25th and March 1st. East Two Women's Basketball 16-game conference schedule was also released. The first conference game will be against Tulsa on December 30th in Menji's Coliseum, followed by a trip to Memphis on January 3rd, back at home against Tulane on the 8th, before hitting the road for Temple and SMU on the 11th and 14th, Cincinnati at home on the 18th, at Wichita State on the 21st, Memphis at home on the 25th, 
Cincinnati on the road on February 15th before wrapping up the season at home with UCF and Houston on the 18th and 22nd of February. The Carolina Panthers are placing one of their defensive players on IR. The team announced yesterday that Bravion Roy will miss at least the next four weeks after being carted off the field during the team's week two loss to the Giants. Head coach Matt Rule says that Lyman was injured or injured his hamstring. It's unclear who would take his spot. Undrafted free agent Marquand McCall filled in for Roy and played pretty solid for the rest of the game against the Giants. There are more than 100 modern-era players listed as nominees for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2023. The list of candidates will be trimmed down to 25 semifinalists in November and down to 15 finalists in January. The Panthers are well represented with five former players among the nominees. The list is headlined by wide receiver Steve Smith, who's the favorite to make it a can as a Panther. He joins fellow receiver Moosin Muhammad, quarterback Jake DeLome, offensive lineman Jordan Gross, and kicker John Casey. ECU football alums Vontae Leach and Chris Johnson also making the list as semifinalists. Speaking of the or moving on to the Charlotte Hornets, they made a signing today, a rare signing here in the offseason. They signed NC State along Dennis Smith Jr. to a one-year contract. The financial details of that contract have not been disclosed. And Governor Roy Cooper on Tuesday signed official documents allowing the triangle and triad areas of the state to be considered as finalists to host the 2027 University Games. If approved, the economic impact on the state is projected to be between $150 and $350 million. That's going to do it for your 94 through the game sports update. This update brought to you by Team Boneyard, an NIL initiative directly supporting part student athletes. For more information on how to donate and support these athletes, go to teamboneyard.org. On the other side of this quick timeout, Brian Mole with the P-Man talking about the latest in PGA Tour, Harold Varner III to the Live Tour. All that and much more on the other side of this quick timeout. The game. Ben, you got to give us some jam band going out for Mole here. because I got you. Brian Mole's been uh, away uh, for a little bit. We haven't talked to him. I haven't talked to him in a while. Mole's on the regular rotation of uh, phone calls. And so uh, it's good to have Brian Mall back on. A belated happy birthday to Brian Mall, I might add, too. Caddy Network and other outlets as well. Thank you, Patrick. I appreciate that. Yeah, made it another another trip around. Good for you, buddy. Good for you. Good to uh, good to have you on. Uh, also, I want to uh, wish our guy Mississippi there in the uh, Network Nerve Center. Uh, he had a birthday the other day, so happy birthday to Mississippi as well. Um, I think 37 is what he did. No, I don't know how old Mississippi is. 12, he's somewhere between 12 and 37 is what I'm guessing. So, uh, all right. So, uh, mole, uh, we got the president's cup going on out in Charlotte, uh, this weekend, quail hollow starting tomorrow. They've released the pairings, the matchups, I guess, more appropriately, right? They did they that have? today. Yeah. Any, any intriguing matchups, uh, in, uh, Thursday's foursome pairings at quail hollow. Yeah, they're. You know, there's a couple, a uh, lot of rookies as far as uh, team matches on both of these sides with uh, the live effect, if you will, and just some guys aging out on both uh, both sides. But uh, kind of a veteran pairing to start it off, which uh, should be a, an excellent match. Uh, Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley, of course, best friends, and teammates in the Ryder Cup last year in Wisconsin, a very successful pairing. Um, are playing Adam Scott and Hideki Matsuyama, the two veteran members of the international side. 
So that should be, uh, you know, where the international side able to, to pull the mild upset there. That would uh, give them a little spark and a little early momentum that they desperately need as heavy underdogs. Uh, and then I'm intrigued by this Cam Young, Colin Morikawa pairing. Uh, they're playing uh, Tom Kim, who won the Wyndham Championship, and K.H. Lee, who had an excellent season on the PGA Tour. Uh, that that should that should be a, a good match. But the, you know, the American Davis Love had it pretty easy. He had a lot of very natural pairings. I mean, not only Cantley and Shoffley are good friends, but of course Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas, friends of childhood and, and frequent partners in these matches. And then uh, Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns also go way back vacation together earlier this year with their wives and that sort of thing. So some pretty easy uh, selections for, for he and his his team of Steve Stricker and Zach Johnson and Brett Couple. Golf writer Brian Mull, Caddy Network, other outlets as well. He's getting ready for college basketball with a lot of uh, preseason writing right now as well. Uh, he is uh, with us uh, on the phone. Good chance. Uh, good to be catching up with Brian Mull here after the uh, a long hiatus from uh, from him being with us. Um, with the possible exception of that first match we just discussed, everything looks, at least on paper, to be kind of a mismatch in favor of the Americans, but that is why you tee it up. This has never garnered the amount of uh, uh, hoopla maybe at the Ryder Cup has. And I get there's, you know, home course advantage in the Ryder Cup. There's the Europeans, so maybe there's a little stronger kinship among that uh, group in the clubhouse uh, because it's the it's the Euros versus the U.S. But you would think on paper when you say the world that the world's got some pretty darn good players that would be selected on this. So, so why has this been so heavily favored in the U.S. for so long? It's just a depth, a depth situation basically i mean when you look at the international side through the years they've certainly had world-class players whether it be ernie Els or bj singh in the past and um yeah adam scott certainly has been a staple throughout throughout the years as has matt Ziava ever since he's turned pro but just from a depth perspective i mean when you look at the, some of the matches the more you have guys like taylor pendrith who's not won on the bga tour yet Mito Pereira, same thing. I mean, both extremely talented young players who just finished their rookie season, but just not very seasoned um, in this type of uh, heat. And so I think what just what happens over the course of 30 matches is the Americans have just kind of been able to wear them down. And hence, we've never had the excitement because the rivalry has been very one-sided with the internationals only winning once. And yeah, that was kind of different circumstances, 98 in Australia about two weeks before Christmas and some question over whether the Americans were even motivated to be there at that particular time. Um, but I know that in recent years, uh, Ernie Els, ever since he was the captain, has kind of uh, copied some of the European uh, strategies, both from team building and analytics, and they are hopeful that they have found a formula that uh, Trevor Immelman can uh, – and reproduce this week and make, make for a competitive weekend. Brian, um, how many players are not allowed in this thing because of live? I mean, is there an exact number or at least an estimate or maybe just names might be simpler, but you know, how, how much is the field damage because of the live ban? Well, you know, you would certainly think Dustin Johnson would have been a candidate for a wild card selection, whether or not he would have made the team on points. Uh, who knows since he left pretty early during the season. 
Um, but the internationals lost two key players, uh, when Cameron Smith and Joaquin Neiman both opted to go to live right after the tour championship. I mean, they were two of the top, top point getters, uh, through the season and looking to be staples guys that were going to be out there for four, if not five matches over the course of the weekend and, uh, losing both of those guys hurt, uh, as did uh, the injury to Will Zalatoris on the American side as well. I mean, he certainly was expected to be a big part of this team, yeah, but yeah. hurt his back there in the second playoff of that and is on the shelf for a couple of months. But, um, yeah, I mean, Liv has certainly uh, tainted this a bit, if you will, just because uh, I think when we do have these events, whether it's the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup, we hope to see the best of uh, possible candidates that could represent each side, and that is not the case. So, uh, We've got uh, Brian Mull uh, with us uh, here. Um, Quell Hollow, there is this uh, real desire for it to become not a regular tour stop so much anymore, but a place where majors are contended and events like this are contended. And, and I think this is probably their uh, desire to kind of get on this stage for a Ryder Cup, I'm sure, down the road. Um. What what kind of shape is Quell Hollow in from what you're hearing? And uh, could you maybe speak a little more to that? Yeah, I hear it's perfect. Uh, all the visuals I have seen, uh, it looks like it's in incredible condition. Of course, it's a great time of the year in the Carolinas for, for golf courses. Oh, yeah. They're typically at, at their peak uh, in, in September. And it certainly uh, looks like uh, Quell Hollow has been tended to with, with the utmost care. They've reconfigured the golf course a little bit Uh 16, 17, and 18 on the regular, the normal layout, are typically three of the hardest holes on the PGA Tour each season, and they move those holes where they're more in the middle, rerouted to to move those holes where they're more in the middle of the back nine so that, uh, you know, you always run the risk in match play of, of, of a match not getting to 16, 17, or 18. I think they wanted to make sure that those holes were a big part, featured heavily in the tournament. So, uh a little bit different configuration than folks are used to seeing during the Wells Fargo, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm sure the golf course will hold up. I mean, it's a big, it's a big boy ballpark there. I mean, with the length they've added to it through the years with the PGA Championship and then this, this event coming, uh, it, it, it's a healthy, healthy golf course with some solid rough, and uh, I'm certain it'll be, a, it'll be a fine time. We will uh, come back and kind of get your uh, your picks on this in a bit, but we've not talked to you on air, I don't believe, since Harold Varner made the uh, commitment to the uh, to the live tour. Uh, if we have, forgive me, but uh, you know, I think it's worth revisiting. But I, I don't I don't think we have the chance to to talk to you that ramp up to the opening week in football, and that's when all this news came out about HV three. So uh, Harold did it, and I think we understand, uh, or at least people should. Like we've been consistent on this show. You've been consistent with, hey, we get the money thing. We don't like where the money's coming from necessarily, but we don't have to. Uh, but to just to, to to lay this all at the feet of guys on the PGA Tour uh, seems a little bit absurd, but we've litigated that plenty. Uh, Harold's gone to live, and uh, look, I think that gives that tour a bona fide young superstar. No doubt. Um, they needed, uh, you know, based on the initial signing, they needed to sign some guys who were so, somewhat in the prime of their PGA Tour career. And certainly Harold in his early 30s qualifies for that and um, has continued to improve each year that he's been on the PGA Tour, uh, improved his standing and uh, kept his card quite easily and qualified for 
deeper and deeper into the playoffs. And, you know, it's, uh, I thought his, uh, his message, uh, that he, he released on his social media accounts was, was very, uh, well worded, well said and clear and to the point. And, uh, he, he felt like this was the opportunity that he couldn't, couldn't pass up and, uh, certainly financially and the opportunity for him to, to continue to do things with his foundation, um, which has been a, uh, you know, a tremendous asset, uh, to junior golfers throughout the Carolinas and beyond. And, uh, I've, you know, you, you, whether you agree with it or not, it's certainly easy to see where, where Harold is coming from and his thought process. And, uh, I would imagine it will be a, uh, you know, he's got somewhere he knows where he can play for probably four, five, six years. Um, and, uh, if not longer, what's the next, uh, tipping point in the whole live PGA tour playing in majors or not saga? Well, they've got to figure out something with the world ranking point. Uh, and, you know, right now, the two factors that are kind of prohibiting the world ranking group from wanting to give it points are the length of the tournaments. There are only 54 holes and not 72 and the size of the field. They're 48 man fields. Um, and, you know, not typical 120 or 150 that we're used to seeing around the world. Uh, that being said, there have been exceptions made in the past for fields that are much smaller. Tigers tournament in the Bahamas uh, being a classic example of that. That's an 18 or 20 man field. And it's always been a, a world ranking point event because of the quality of the field. So they're going to have to come to some type of agreement on that. I think it's uh, when you have Cameron Smith and Dustin Johnson and Joaquin Neiman and golfers with this stature competing on that tour every week, it's kind of silly to not grant them some form of world ranking points. And as long as players can continue to accumulate those and then perhaps play in a few events around the world, as we're seeing Patrick Reed doing again this week, uh, they'll have every opportunity to uh, remain exempt for the majors as they currently stand. Um, and I don't, I don't foresee any of the majors changing their qualifications or trying to do anything to exclude live players specifically. I don't see where that fits for either the tournaments or right. golf in general. Right. And, th- and that's the other sort of linchpin in this whole thing. Um, plus, let's face it, calling it the LXXII tour. Doesn't have quite the ring as as lives, so they can't change to get off the fifty four hole thing. Come on, no, I you know, look, and, and I don't have a problem. I don't think you do either with the fifty four holes per se. Uh, there are some things they could do to legitimize that a little more, and if they do indeed have the money we know they have, they could also expand the field potentially. Yeah, I think they could expand the field. I mean, just uh, logistically, you could play seventy. Um, you know, you could maybe play 60, let's say, easily, and then uh, you could maybe even expand it to 70. You might have to get off the shotgun start, which I know is appealing to a lot of the guys who are out there and and the whole format. Um, you know, they, they, they need to, uh, on their end, they need to find a television distributor because the numbers on YouTube have just not been very good, um, although the access is great for folks around the world um, as opposed to the networks in the United States. But, um, you know, they need to, they need to find a home, I think, a permanent home on the, on the television side. And uh, yeah, that'll be interesting as well. All right. Who you got in the uh, President's Cup, uh, ultimately? I think the Americans are just too strong. I do think the international team will put up a, a, a tremendous fight. Uh, there is a lot of talent on that side. 
uh, you know, some of these guys that maybe the average fan's not aware of. I think they will be aware of by the end of the weekend. And uh, they'll be comfortable competing against the guys they compete against on the PGA Tour week to week. But I think ultimately the American event is just too much for them to overcome. Um, let's, uh, we'll reconvene soon. Good to talk to you. Thanks for uh, hopping on and give us a little bit of a preview for this. Yeah, thanks, Patrick. Uh, everybody have a good weekend. All right, there he goes. Brian Mull, great to catch up with him, uh, as it always is. Uh, we'll break. We'll come back, and uh, we'll wrap up this uh, Wednesday edition after And here on 94.3 The Game. The Sportster. I guess talking about in the last five years, the 10 worst starting NFL quarterbacks, Ben. Panthers have three of the 10. Okay, Baker, can Baker, Cam, and uh, Darnold. So, all right. So, are, what is the criteria here? Last I, five years, the the worst starting quarterbacks. The last five. So I, the worst I know your quarterback you're, starts like they have the worst start. No, no, starting quarterbacks. Cam? Worst start. Ten worst starting quarterbacks the last ten years. Yeah, he started for the Panthers. He started for the uh, Patriots. Patriots, yeah. and then he started for the Panthers for a few games. So he's, he's a starting quarterback. Yeah, he did kind of suck the last five years. So I'll give him that. Baker, Drew Locke, Ugh. Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence. Wow. Blake Bortles, Andy Dalton, Josh Rosen, Paxton Lynch up there. Sean Kaiser. No, no Paxton Lynch. Huh. No Paxton Lynch. Panthers have the third fewest completions in the NFL. The Bears have 15. Panthers have 30. All right. Thanks to Brian Mull for being with us. Enjoy the uh, President's Cup if you're headed out that way. Know some folks that are. Uh, I'll be on morning show duties the rest of the week hosting. So Ben will get you through the rest of the week. And we'll see you this weekend, 3 o'clock, for Pirate Game Day Countdown. <laughs>